0: whatever your goals may be listening to she said she said podcast is a smart efficient investment you can make in you i'm really glad you're here and i'm excited we're on this journey together hey friend welcome to the podcast Today's conversation is really one of my favorites yet on the topic of reinvention and pivots. Not only do my guests Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati speak from incredibly informed perspective as executive and life coaches, they also have great personal reinvention stories of their own. What they share in this episode is incredibly valuable advice and perspective that resonated so deeply with me, and I think it will with you too. That is especially true if you are that person who is feeling a bit stuck in your career or your life, but you're not sure what to do first as you think about a career pivot or reinvention or even just a break. This episode is for you. If you are someone who thinks I'm really happy in my career and in my life, and I can't imagine getting to that point where I feel stuck, this episode is also for you. And if you're in the midst of a reinvention and you're having trouble getting your tribe or your network on board, this is for you too. First, Before we get into the conversation, a little bit of background on Dana and Wendy. Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati are the co-founders of something called Camp Reinvention. It's a global company that offers transformational programs, retreats, and community for women who are eager, using their words, to, quote, kick age to the curb and create a second half of life that they are wildly excited about. Wendy and Dana bring more than 30 years of coaching and training experience to Camp Reinvention, and they've been featured on literally hundreds of podcasts, television, and radio shows around the country. But friend, I do want to reinforce one really important point. Even if you are not a woman in your 50s, Dana and Wendy's advice on getting unstuck and on understanding the brain science behind some of the most frequent obstacles, this episode is absolutely for you. Because let's face it, getting stuck does not just happen in our 50s. It can happen at any point in our lives. So I think you'll find their perspective really, really valuable. Now, before we get into the substance of today's conversation, I want to share something new that I'm trying and that I'd love your feedback on. When I recorded this episode with Dana and Wendy, it was a little long, but the content was so rich and so compelling and I think will be so useful to you, I didn't want to cut it. Now, if you're a regular listener to She Said, She Said podcast, you probably know that I do my best to end the podcast before the 60-minute mark. Now, that doesn't always happen, and I'm really sorry about that. I do tend to get pretty wrapped up in these conversations. And when I'm finding something that's really interesting and I hear a guest sharing information and perspective that I think you will find super helpful, I hate to cut the conversation short. It defeats the purpose, right? So this week, I'm trying something new. And again, I'd really love your feedback. I'm breaking this week's episode into two parts. The first half I'm releasing on our regular Sunday schedule as episode 195. The second half I'm releasing as part two on Wednesday as episode 196. I actually thought this approach might give you a little break and an opportunity to reflect on part one before diving into part two. Now, friend, if you hate this approach and you'd prefer to have content that's released back to back, let me know that too. Most of all, I think once you hear part one, you'll be more than motivated to listen to part two. But again, if not, I do want to know. So be sure and tell me if I'm completely off base. My biggest goal, as always, is to bring you great conversation and perspective that serves your interests, is helpful, and that hopefully meets you right where you are. And also is a good investment of your time. If not, I'd love to hear so be sure and send me some feedback on this episode this trial format and anything else that you think would be beneficial for me to hear to help me create even better content for you i would greatly appreciate it all right so with that out of the way here's just a little more of what you'll hear in part one episode 195 today's conversation with wendy parati and dana Hilmer. We talk about how to start. You know you need to make a change, but where do you begin? That's probably the question I get most often from people. We talk about identifying your skill set and how to do that. Wendy and Dana talk about the four-part process that they teach at Camp ReInvention. Wendy and Dana share their own respective reinvention journeys, which for one of them included a break to raise children, and then becoming really overwhelmed by that feeling of getting lost. We also talk about the importance of starting before you're actually ready. We talk about the traps that the duo outline in their ebook. And by the way, there's a link to their ebook in the show notes for this episode, and you can download it for free, which is really great. Another part of the conversation relates to how difficult change is, not only for the person who's doing the changing, evolving, or pivoting, but for the people around her, and how to navigate and evolve our personal and professional networks as we change and evolve. And finally, we talk about how to navigate both the challenging little voice who lives inside of our head, as well as our well-intentioned networks. Again, friend, remember this is part one of a two-part episode with the second half to be released in episode 196 later this week on Wednesday. And now my conversation with Camp Reinvention co-founders and executive and life coaches, Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati. Dana, Wendy, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thank you so much for having us, Laura. We're excited to be here. We are, thank you for having us. I'm delighted to have you. It's a special treat when I get to have two guests on at the same time, so this is really wonderful. So I would love it if you two could level set, what is Camp Reinvention and how did that get started?
1: It actually got started by doing a cool project (laughs) called Camp Reinvention. We started it with a four-day retreat up at Mohonk Mountain House in New York, uh, followed by six months of group coaching with these amazing women. And it actually started off as Wendy and I, we both have our own businesses, came together with this idea of what if we did a program that would help women in our age group, 50 and older, create a life, a second half of life that they're really excited about because we were seeing so many people in our stage of life kind of hitting the reset button, questioning what do I want next, wanting to focus on themselves. Some people, maybe life didn't work out the way they hoped, but they're so determined to live the second half of their life in a way that's really exciting to them. So we created it as a cool project and it went really well. And we thought, all right, let's do it again. And of course COVID happened. So we brought the program online and uh, the rest is kind of history from there. We've got some amazing uh, online programs. We have a um, really robust 12 week program that we take our campers through that has proven to be truly transformational. And we do this in a couple of different formats. So we have um, an online accelerator program for those that are looking to change careers. We have a program that's really intense that we're in the middle of right now. Uh, that's focusing on changing your health and so we teach our process and we bring in experts that teach the all the things that you need to know about health for example and we're gearing up for another program in person which we're so excited about camp live uh, we haven't revealed the date or location yet but it is coming up in the fall so if anybody wants to get themselves uh, uh, signed up you know we've of course encourage you to head on over to our website campreinvention.com. but that program is in the fall and we're so excited to also also be able to be with women uh, in real life, <laughs> and to uh, repeat a yeah. really robust pro- process in person.
0: I love that. Let me let me shift to Wendy. And Wendy, have you maybe talk about what it is that's really different about mm-hmm. Camp Reinvention? Because there's a lot of programs that are out there and available to people that are, you know, career coaching, business coaching, and the like. What's different about Camp Reinvention?
2: Absolutely. The thing that's different is we have a really proven process for transformation. Most of us, when we've got something we want to accomplish in our lives, go for the skill set. We say, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to choose what I'm going to do. I'm going to boost my skill set. I'm going to make it happen. And that works, right? It's why we're all rock stars in some areas of our lives and everyone everyone is a rock star in some areas of their lives we've got this amazing skill set but it doesn't work in some places of our lives and Mm -hmm. that leaves all of us thinking what's wrong with me why can't i make this work i need more skills i need to learn more about it why can't i make this thing happen right and those are the women which is really all of us who say i'm trying to pivot this." place in my life i don't know how to start i don't know what skills i need no matter what i do i can't make it happen so our process starts from we call it growing the woman behind the goals and aspiration so we start with this four stage process we call it re- reset we help sort of reset that physiological mindset all of those things that happen underneath the hood that keep your patterns operating the same way over and over again. We start by resetting that. We go into rewind, letting go of all that gunk that has built up all this evidence, fear-based gunk that just gets in our way that we carry behind us um, and that's just heavy. We then go into reboot. Look at your life from where you are exactly right now. Right? What's the reality of your current starting point? We skip over that when we set goals for ourselves, And then when we don't make it happen, we think there's something wrong with us. Mm. All of this information is so important. And then in our re-engage pillar, that's where we're teaching like our version of goal setting and goal achievement, which is really agile, different way of achieving goals. But that comes at the end of this little four-step process.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so it really makes... Um, an incredibly transformative experience, and it differentiates Camp Reinvention from anything else that's out there.
0: Yeah. It, in addition to, I, I want to dive into so many elements of what you just said, but before we do that, I'd love it if you each talked a little bit about your own reinvention journey. Um, I know a bit about, about both of you, and you've both had amazing careers you are both certified life coaches or career coaches. How, what, what's the terminology you prefer to use? Life and executive coaches. OK, you're both certified in those areas, but that was a later career pivot for both of you. Maybe if each of you could talk quickly about your backgrounds and sort of what led you to this point and this work. I, I began my career in magazine publishing
1: and um, in many ways enjoyed it had a lot of fun for a while um i moved my way up the totem pole and as i was moving my way up you know quote unquote checking those boxes on the way to the corporate office or executive office i realized more and more it wasn't the work that i was meant to do i felt like i was wearing shoes that did not fit i really honestly didn't care about advertising pages <laughs> so It was really hard because I realized I was really good at something that wasn't the thing that's right for me. And I think a lot of us can find ourselves in that trap, right? It's hard to give yourself permission to get off of the kind of ladder, if you will, of what you're doing. And it got harder and harder to give myself that permission once I moved up to the corner office, which is what I thought I was striving for. But I realized this isn't who I am. It's not the work that I'm meant to do. I'm not contributing to people in in the world the way I want to. Um, And I hit a real pain point, like a real pain point, before I gave myself permission to get off of it. So I learned about the world of coaching. This is back, gosh, it's back like 23 years ago. At that time, it was a new profession. And it was lighting me up. I was like, oh my gosh, to be in this world of helping people live their potential and live what's right for them and all that, it just so rang true to me and I was so excited about it. And quite frankly, it was a new profession. It didn't feel as solid at that time as it is now. And what I mean by that is it was so new, it kind of felt like people could just hang a shingle And I'm definitely a person that needs to have the Mm -hmm. education. I want to know I have everything that I can bring to the table. So I heard about the world of positive psychology, and I trained uh, in positive psychology, which is the science of human flourishing, human resilience, happiness. So I trained in that world for about a year. I then served as a teaching assistant for another year and then went back and got my coaching certification. So what was great is I realized this is the meat and the science of coaching, which is kind of what I craved and I didn't even know it existed 22 years ago. So that's where I landed. And uh, that's what really conv- com- completed my pivot. Um, and, and for those you know of people that are listening, to really think about just because you're good at something does not mean it's right for you. And I think a lot, and just because you're moving up the totem pole, what are you striving for? And I realized this this um, kind of journey that I was on was not the right journey. So to really tap into yeah. how you
0: define success and and if this is really what's right for you. I love that, you said so many things that I'm just dying to jump in on, but I wanna hear Wendy's story as well. Wendy, tell us about how you got into this work.
2: A little bit of a different angle, actually. My education's in psychology, which is very aligned with this. Mm -hmm. And um, I had decided not to pursue grad school, which surprised everyone. Everyone thought I was gonna be a therapist. Um, It just seemed, there was too much broken at the time in the field mean? of psychology there uh. was it, positive psychology which started looking at the whole person what's good rather than what's bad came along a little after mm-hmm. my undergraduate years okay mm-hmm. um and i really felt i was the wrong person too empathetic to especially at that young age i didn't have any emotional boundaries i thought this will sink me if i do it and so I ended up getting a job in a completely different field and um, and had an amazing career in my 20s as a national spokesperson for the American Red Cross. I loved my job. I loved everything about it. But I had to travel on a moment's notice. And that's like four hours notice. Like when the wind blew, I needed to be on a plane um, to whatever disaster was happening in the country. And uh, by my late 20s, early 30s, when I wanted to start a family, I thought not the way I wanted for me to do my family. And so um, I left. I helped my husband build his company while being a full-time mom. So I kind of was this full-time mom, full-time employee that did everything from initially his bookkeeping when the business was small to then sales and marketing when the business was large, right? Mm -hmm. And I loved my life. And that's true. But this moment happened when I realized I lost myself in it, I was Mm -hmm. everyone else's support system. We had a dinner party one night. And when Paul went to drive the gentleman who was visiting us home, I stood at the kitchen sink and cried my eyes out. Because i had not i felt i felt i had nothing to contribute to that conversation i had nothing to talk about nothing of value to say i had nothing that was my own anything that i wanted to talk about was somebody else's mm. and it was at that time that i thought i need to make a change in my life and i was terrified because i thought that making that change would impact the people that i loved the most um but i did it and in doing that i realized you don't have to lose what you love to be who you are and um you know pebble in the path pebble in the path down the road it led to me led me to what i'm doing now
0: right i am certain that the the women listening Uh, today, the people listening, hopefully we have a few men as well, Um, but predominantly women. I know that what you just said, Wendy, really resonates so deeply with so many people. Let's talk about one of the things that I hear really, I think most often from other women, and I suspect you do too, is this idea of, okay, I'm at a pivot point. I know I'm there either I've been laid off or maybe I've been taking a break to raise my children, or I just have outgrown what I'm doing. I don't know where to start. I really struggled with this personally as well, but how do you, how do you start? How do you advise your clients, the participants in camp reinvention? Where do you start?
2: We start sort of with that process,
0: right? Because jumping in and making
2: a decision, based on what got you here isn't the right foundation and that's why we end up in this cyclical stuckness on whatever that one piece of our life is so we always say you start by doing that inner growth piece and this doesn't have to take like 50 years to do like we do it in like an intensive weekend or a 12 week one hour a week program um that's always the starting point but from there Once you're in the part of making decisions, it's don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Once we get to that point, we think, oh my God, I need to make this be the end all be all. I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it for me, I'm doing and it has to be exactly right and I have to be bulletproof and ready and everybody's watching me and no, none of that is true. None, 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 none of it is true. It's what's the first thing that makes sense right now? I'm
1: gonna give it a try. And that rolls you forward. Would you agree, Dana? Absolutely. You know, we talk about starting before you're ready a lot uh, at Camp Reinvention. And it's interesting because, absolutely, there are so many ways that we get stuck in our head. And there are so many ways that we can tease ourselves or kid ourselves that we're making progress when we're not really, because we're spending our time researching and learning more and trying to do everything that we can to make sure that we're bulletproof, right? And so it's this notion of starting before you're ready and leading with curiosity. And it's it's literally moving one pebble forward at a time, right? So doing that one thing today, all right, what worked, what didn't? No judgment. If it didn't work, so what? <laughs> Do something different, right? And it's with every single step that you get a little bit more information. And I think where most people get stuck and. Uh, we have a an ebook actually i'd love to share with your uh, listeners um freedom from what keeps you stuck and we talk about three different traps that keep people stuck and not making progress one of them is that trap of overthinking and there's all sorts of different um, elements to that that we dive in into the ebook the other is the the doing trip trap busy on all the things that you do but they're not necessarily the things that move you forward with the dream that you have And that's something that so many women find themselves in because we are busy. We have a lot of responsibilities. We do have a lot of things we feel like we need to do. But at the end of the day, is it moving you forward? Is it moving you in the direction you want to go? And then the trap that I love personally because I'm a recovering shooter is the shooting trap. You know, that trap of all the things that you think you should be doing and the ways you should be living and the way you think you should be all of that keeps you away from what it is that you want and who it is you want to be and so being stuck in these traps always the first step is the noticing okay this is the shooting trap popping up okay i'm overthinking it again and then just get your buns into action
0: take a step do you find that most people struggle with all of the traps or do you find that most people will that at least one of them will resonate more deeply with them
2: absolutely everybody struggles with all of the traps
0: and one of them resonates a little
2: bit more Mm -hmm. so for some people it resonates a lot more but for everyone one resonates a little bit more and that's kind of the goal is to find that one little piece that resonates the most that you think holy cow that really trips me up the most and just focus on changing that right another thing i think that most women actually i'm going to say every woman that i know is guilty of is taking on too much right right i'm going to do it i'm going to do it right i'm going to do it all right and do it right now that's right (laughs) and it's going to happen too sweet you know um and so i think that just focusing on one tiny thing at a time is the m- most impactful way to make big shifts. And that's the way, like our brains, physiologically, our brains love that. Our bodies love to build on small wins. We're wired to hate change, right? Even if you're someone who, I love change, I love adventure, I love all of that. That is your um, your foundation. Anything that changes from that foundation, your body will reject, right? Our brains don't like change. They're wired that way. So small incremental builds are the way to go always.
0: Yeah.
1: I I, I want to just interject something on that, Laura, is you had asked what makes Camp Reinvention different. And one of the things, um, building on what Wendy just said, we really do hate change and change is difficult. And change is really difficult when you're surrounded by the people who are accustomed to you being a certain way, doing a certain thing. And so one of the things that's so wonderful about being part of a program like this is you're with other women who are like-minded. They are embarking on their change. You're doing this thing together. And so, of course, everybody's learning so so much from the process and from Wendy's and my coaching, but they are learning from each other. They are supporting each other. They are behind each other. Like usually what we find is when we are wrestling with what it is we want to change in our life, we're doing it in our own room. We're doing it in our own head and we think we're the only person dealing with this issue. And when you come together, you realize, holy smokes, we're all dealing with this, right? <laughs> and so there's so much wisdom to be had in being part of a group of women like this and to have that support and that that ability to, to connect on that level, it is so rich. And it goes yeah. beyond the conversations that we have in our daily life. Usually, I'll speak for myself, in my daily life, You know, I have friends, of course, that I meet for walks and do things with, Usually you're talking about the day or the kids or the activity or the weekend coming up. You're not diving in and talking about, all right, what is your dream? What's holding you Mm -hmm. back? What's in your heart? Right? Like We're not diving in on
0: that level uh, with most people on a regular basis, if at all. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure we really, well, I'll speak for myself. I certainly didn't learn to communicate in that way um, with some regularity. And I know for a big part of my early professional career when I would be challenged with those questions by someone who would wanna go really deep, it would make me feel super uncomfortable. And so it's only like much later in my life that I actually enjoy and like and relish those kinds of conversations, probably as a result of this work. Um, But it's so interesting that you say that. You, You talk about, Dana, the power of this new network that you build. But I think it's important to have you guys talk about how do you navigate your existing relationships and your existing network? Because change isn't just change for you. You changing will be change for them as well. So maybe talk, Wendy, I'll turn it over to you. Talk a little bit about how you navigate the change that you're going through with the people around you, with your family, your friends, with your you know professional network? Uh,
2: this is a really important topic because some people right off the bat don't want us to change. They'll discourage you. They'll want to keep you in the same coop that they're in. They want that you to be where they are.
0: They don't like change either. right? They don't
2: like change either. There are some people who are going to be that way in your life. And then there are all the people in your life who love you, who are your cheerleaders, who say you can do this, you can. All of them are going to reject on some level when you start to change. And that's a physiological thing, right? The moment that you start to change for real and it starts to be noticeable, then everybody's little amygdala goes, I'm familiar, I'm familiar. And without even realizing it, even your greatest cheerleaders start to try and pull you back into a more recognizable version of you. And they don't recognize that they're doing it, right? Or they try to keep you safe from, you know, it's hard for us to step out there. What if I fail? So we say, all right, I'm gonna talk about my plan with my peeps. And our peeps, if they love us a lot, are equally afraid for us. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should do this a little first, maybe. And they, they suck all the air out of our balloon, right? They don't mean to, they don't mean to. It's part of the way that we're wired. So one of the things that's important is, Always having a place, even if it's one pal or a place like Camp Reinvention, where there are people who get it, who are comfortable with the discomfort of change, so that you've got a little bit of foundation of ground underneath your feet. And then the second thing is learning to trust yourself and learning to trust other people this kind of trust isn't natural to us. It is natural to us. It is not currently natural to us because it's kind of been cultured out of us over time. But you can trust yourself that if you're growing in a way that feels aligned for you, if you're becoming more you than you have ever been, then it's the right path for you and the people who love you will grow to recognize that as the familiar version of you Mm. and all of that unfamiliar unfamiliar will go away they won't even remember that it happened and then the people who can't or won't grow along with you well that's just part of life right Mm -hmm. we we move in different paths then
0: yeah Dana, let me ask you a question to to, uh, sort of expand on this a little bit more. Do you offer specific advice for how you help the people around you to navigate change with you? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Absolutely.
1: You know, a lot of it is about communication, of course, and holding a space for their concern and making it clear that, listen, I know you're concerned. I know you love me. This is what I'm going to do. So it's holding a space and hearing them. But just because they say something does not mean that it's the advice that you need to heed. It's not what you need to do. It's letting them very graciously know that I so appreciate your concern. I so appreciate your feedback. And very importantly, to refrain from asking somebody what I should do. Because as soon as you ask somebody, what should I do, you're giving away your power, right? So when you're eliciting feedback from somebody or support from somebody, say, you know, be very clear on what you're doing. I'd love to hear all sorts of insights as to ideas, as to ways this could be done. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm not sure what I, you know, what feedback I'm going to take yet, maybe even setting the stage that I'd love to hear thoughts, um, but just, you know, your ideas, you know, matter to me, but I'm going to kind of synthesize this and, and and make my own decision, but kind of having those kind of conversations, but always stay away from what should I do? Because that person, again, when they give feedback through the lens of what should I do, they're giving the feedback through their experience, their values, their fears, their concerns, right? They're giving experience through the lens of their life experiences, not through the lens of yours. So don't give away your power and hold the space, letting them know you welcome their feedback, but
0: but um you know I'm gonna make my decision. Yeah. I mean that is such it's such great advice. But it strikes me too that, you know, when you're when you're going through a change like this, there's a lot of, I think for most people. You know, real insecurity and fear. Um, you know, you're trying to tackle the voice inside your own head, and she's not always super supportive and helpful. So you're navigating her, and what's going on in your own head. You're navigating the people around you who who have the best of intentions and want to keep you safe, but may also be sending you sort of similar, you know, protective messages, if you will. How do you how do you corral all of this? Your own voice, their voice. How do you how do, you, how do you get control of that? Maybe control is the wrong word, but just really corral it so that you don't let it stop you from what you really need to do. Okay. So you'll think this is crazy, but it works. First of all,
2: that voice, everybody's got it. I don't care who you are, or if you believe that there are these star women that you know don't have it or men don't, everybody's got it. We've all got that voice. That voice is your coping mechanism. It is the little part of you that appeared the very first time you got smacked down to protect you. uh Uh-oh, don't do that again. And the next time, ooh, don't do that either. And if you get smacked down for the same sorts of things over and over again, and some of us were too much or too little, right? Shh, Wendy. Shh. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how many times I heard, shh, too much, Wendy. Be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And so I had that little voice don't speak up. Don't speak up. And we all have the voice that tells us what to do to protect us from the smackdowns that we've received. And so when that voice comes up, when we're about to step into something that's new, that's unfamiliar, or that's those things and big then that voice gets teeth, right, and claws, and it gets nasty, and it's insidious, like it's in there talking to you all the time, trying, it's just you trying to protect you, and our instinct is to duct tape that bugger's mouth, right, you be quiet, but we can't, we, that will just make that piece of us fight against us even more, because it is our protector, right, so What we teach people at camp is, this is your best friend. It's been protecting you. You would not have come out from under your bed if you didn't have this little voice. This little fellow has been protecting you for all of these decades. But guess what? You know more now than you knew then. You don't need that protection the same way that you do. So we have our campers make a physical manifestation of that voice. Whether they draw it or get a stuffed animal, mine's made out of Sculpey. His name is Saul. He's like this worried little hand wringing lizard. I <laughs> uh, have one client, hers is the stuffed animal of the Tasmanian devil from Bugs Bunny. Like whatever works for you, this physical manifestation, give it a name. And then, and here's the part that feels wacky literally talk to that voice out loud every day because once those conver- those conversations with your inner voice never leave the inside of your skull and everything in there is kind of like vapor you know you think that it's language but if you try and pinpoint it all of a sudden it dissipates and morphs into something else you start to have out loud conversations Saul would sit on my desk and I would say dude I know that you are scared. I'm scared too. But you know what? I want this so bad, I'm doing it anyway. So buddy, you just sit there and knit, or you have a little cocktail, or do whatever you need to do, Saul, but I'm gonna do this. Thanks so much for your help, pal, but I'm moving on. And the more, and my kids were little at the time when I started playing with Saul at my desk. and. I was really like i would do anything to amuse me with it i gave him a little superhero cape at one point i you know he was always on my desk i was talking to my kids who were like 10 at the time 10 and 12 thought i was insane let me tell you something saul has been in my bookcase in my office for years i don't need to talk to him much anymore that voice doesn't come up in the same way with the same intensity anymore because I got it out of my head. And I had real, live, rational conversations with it. And I was able to move forward.
0: So interesting. So Saul is, um, it sounds like, a bit of a hand-wringing overthinker, for yeah. lack of a better term, oh. right? He was a worry wart. So what if Sal was Sally, and Sally's a mean girl, <laughs> what do we do about sally who's very discouraging because she's not very nice yeah so the
2: first thing is understanding that sally's coming from the same place first sally can look as mean as you want her to and she needs to and you look at her and you say sally tough girl you're all right baby I know you've had my back and I know that all that nasty stuff that comes out of your mouth is because you are trying to protect us from all that scary stuff. And man, have you done a good job all these decades. But there's more for us, Sally. We can do it. We can do it and we want it. And so I'm going to ask you, you take all that rage and let's turn it someplace else. Let's turn it into the power that I need to get over this hump. When you're Having conversations the way that you would with a person, all of that stuff, all of your skills, all of these skills you've developed for a decade, for decades and decades and decades, come into play. But when it's just knocking around in your head, Sally's
0: got her foot on your throat. I really, really love that. Hey friend, thanks so much for joining me today. Now remember this episode, episode 195, is part one of a two-part conversation with Dana Hilmer and Wendy Parati, co-founders of Camp Reinvention. Part two will be released on Wednesday as episode 196. Now, just a quick sneak peek into what you can expect from that conversation, the second half of this conversation. In that episode, we dive into a few traps that Dana and Wendy talk about in their book, Freedom From What Keeps You Stuck. We open episode 196 with a topic that especially resonated with me, and I think it will with many of you as well. It's called the doing trap. We also talk about a smarter way to prioritize our goals. We talk about the power of momentum. We talk about redefining success and what that practice looks like. We talk about why we must stop shudding ourselves. We talk about the difference between defining your why and how that may actually differ from your definition of success. We talk about what it means to have a compass point. And Wendy and Dana talk about how they each define influence for themselves and in their work. So friend, trust me when I tell you that we have just begun to scratch the surface in part one of this conversation. You will not want to miss part two in episode 196, again, being released on Wednesday. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Until then, I hope you found this podcast a good investment of your time. And as always, I'd love to hear from you. Send me feedback via social media. You'll find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Laura Cox Kaplan, or on our website at She said, She Said shesaidshesaidpodcast.com. Take care, and I'll see you again later this week. She Said, She Said podcast is produced weekly by She Said, She Said Media.